0: a person walking around with a baseball bat, slamming it on the cubes, telling you to get get in your sleeping bag and they don't want to see your face until you bring the deal home. I mean, I I can't make this stuff up, but that is what it was. So when there's little subtle things, uh, always trust your gut.
1: Hey, Andy, how's it going?
0: Aaron good how are you I'm, um, my voice my voice is much better i I don't sound like I've got the black death anymore so um ready for the holidays
1: was it the infusion of vitamins the IV <laughs> of vitamins that helped you How'd I did you take over?
0: I did take one of those uh, I had an IV uh come to my house and let me tell you that's uh that's good stuff I, I did feel better and I did that because I knew I was traveling for the whole next week the next week and yeah I think that helped I'm going with it are you a flu shot person? I am 50 50 and I know I need to get my flu shot. I should be getting it every year. And I sometimes don't. I'm overdue now. In fact, how about you?
1: I did get one and I'm a, I'm a believer. I did get, I'm kind of, I'm kind of an old lady in that (laughs) I qualify for all of the vaccines because I have asthma. So I've gotten, there was a case of whooping cough at my kid's school, which I don't even know. I didn't know was possible because you have to be vaccinated for that. It's a DTaP or Tdap, one of those things. So some, multiple kids and a teacher got whooping cough, which scared the pants off me. So I ran to CVS and got a, got a vaccine. My provider called it in.
0: I thought like whooping cough like went away soon after polio. I guess I'm wrong.
1: (laughs) There are little cluster breakouts of it all the time. And usually in lower vaccinated populations. If you want to know more, I'm happy to share. Your immunity wanes. You didn't ask, but I'm sharing anyway. (laughs) Five to seven years, you need another. And most adults, unless you fall on a rusty nail, will never get a DTAP again. I don't think. So now I'm, I'm I'm (laughs) boosted. I have that. I've got the flu shot. I've had COVID twice and I've had the vaccines and the boosters and stuff, but I don't have the most current booster. I had to do a, I had to decide between flu and COVID because my body doesn't love these vaccines. Mm. Feel a little lucky. What about the shingles? Have you had that one yet? Yeah. It's a good old lady one as well. And I probably would qualify for shingles and RSV <laughs> and the pneumonia vaccine. Maybe we should just make this about, you know, how many vaccines can you get in a single sitting? <laughs> I probably
0: could get four or five. And then just go home and like sleep for five days.
1: Yeah. And just that sounds okay. Experience my uh the the inflammation and the uh everything working as it should to to get that in my body (laughs) yes well i'm glad you're feeling better thank you andy i have a good bad boss segment for you today bring it on all right here we go i think you'll recognize this voice if you don't i'll tell you who it is there was all of the criticism there was advertisers leaving we talked to bob iger today you hope Uh, Don't advertise. You don't want them to advertise? No. What do you mean?
0: If if somebody's going to try to blackmail me with advertising, blackmail me with money,
1: go f*** yourself. Oof. Any guesses? (laughs) I believe that is uh, Mr. Musk. Indeed. Indeed. In a room full of advertisers and brand leaders. Told everybody to go F themselves. Wow. Would you love to have him on your most important sales calls? Oh, uh, no, thank you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I once had someone on a sales call in my very distant past tell the person on the other line that they were were texting everybody saying, you need to tell this person how lucky they are to have me join this call. I feel like that's probably a, a million percent less dangerous than sitting in a room with Elon Musk in front of Bob Iger at Disney. Wow. Uh,
0: (laughs) It's hard to even fathom how many people were in that room, tuning in, listening, the reach of that uh, content outside of the meeting. I mean, come on, Twitter, now it's, it's X. I mean, he's always been a little, like seemed a little off the rails, even though he's brilliant. But how is that possibly going to be a good thing for the company that you just put tons and tons of money into? How could you work with someone like that? When that's what you hear they've said when you're showing up to work, working hard day in and day out and and that's what what happens at a conference.
1: A ton of people will leave. A ton of people know that there's no future for them in ad sales when things like that happen and you You work incredibly hard only to have somebody in a knee-jerk moment, an ego-driven moment, tell a whole bunch of people to F off is not going to go well for him or for the platform. I cannot see X surviving without ad dollar support. And the cardinal sin is to create an environment that's unpredictable, that is unsafe and unfriendly for a brand. And he is the definition of somebody who is unpredictable and doesn't really give a hoot. So that all came from Disney or Bob Iger pulling Disney dollars from the platform, feeling that or stating that it wasn't the best environment, not a direct quote, but something to that extent for Disney. And his reaction to that was, if you don't want to advertise, go F yourself.
0: gosh it's a platform that survives on that. I mean, you know, every, every dog has its day as they say, and things like that. And any other, other mounting things, I don't think people really appreciated the name change and, you know, he's a very polarizing individual, but sometimes people just get saturated and they just move on. I mean, there may not be a, a competitive platform today that people can just jump onto. There's, there's certainly other platforms, but you know, uh, it might it just might kind of lose its luster and people just will probably stop participating in it. I mean, then you've got had this amazing platform that just shrivels up and goes the way of what was it? MySpace.
1: <laughs> oh, MySpace. Remember Tom was your friend, your first friend. <laughs> wonder what Tom's doing now. I, it does. And it doesn't seem like Elon is everyone's friend. <laughs> Tom can on run X. X. Tom could be the CEO of X. Tom from MySpace. <laughs> It shows you, it also just reveals even more how these billionaire megalomaniacs that want to buy and acquire these companies don't have the people skills or the business skills, client-facing skills to do the job. And he's an example of someone who is incredibly brilliant. Nobody would not say that the guy is a genius. But shouldn't be at the helm of the company in this way, where you're offending advertisers and you're are you so wealthy that you don't have any empathy for the thousands of people that will lose their jobs because of the comments that you make? Won't impact him if X goes away. It's gonna impact thousands of people that don't no longer have a job and, and, and need that job because of what's going on. He takes it personally. That this money was pulled. It was supposedly about him supporting a tweet that was deemed anti Semitic in, in nature. And that was the, at the crux of the reasoning behind pulling the ad dollars. Again, if you have a platform where there's hate speech that's allowed to flow, I can't think of pharma brands that want to be seen alongside that. They pause advertising when there's congressional hearings happening about drug prices, let alone Elon Musk tweeting about his support of this tweet that went out. So I just can't see there any coming back from this if he is at the helm and I'm sure he appointed the entire board who's not going to get rid of him. Because mm-hmm. they're all friendlies to him. It's it's really not a good situation.
0: Yeah. I mean just unchecked power and has completely lost perspective. I mean, even if he was called out for the uh, supporting an anti-Semitic tweet, I mean, you would think every other person would take stock and be extremely apologetic and and act on that. But yet he doubles down and, you know, goes off the rails at a conference. I mean, that's yeah, I I don't I don't see any of this really, really ending well for X.
1: X marks the spot. (laughs) Some craziness has occurred. I know I was texting you while you were on your work trip and I apologize for blowing up your phone. Someone must have shared this podcast with a large group. I've put it on LinkedIn, but that's really it. And you use LinkedIn, don't you? I do. I'm not prolific, but I do. Yeah. And every now and then you see things and I see people's podcasts and I've listened to people's podcasts, but it's kind of, depending on where you are on the feed, you don't always see what's happening. So we went from, and I have a little dashboard where I can see how many people have listened to the podcast, how many people have downloaded it. We went from 300 unique listeners to now we've had more than 24,000 Downloads of the podcast, which is kind of unbelievable if you think about it.
0: That is, um, there's, uh, you know, we spend so much of our lives at work, right? And after work, talking about work, and hopefully this is this is helping folks be able to hear other real life stories and and be able to think about. Uh, some of these outcomes and and options uh, when they encounter them too. I hope so. That's uh, That's certainly one of the goals.
1: I hope so too. I hope it's not because the Australian fart story went viral <laughs> or, you know, it's something <laughs> like that. But I still haven't been able to quite understand what happened. But I know from the questions and the stories that are being submitted that whether you have a real physical office that you're going to or it's a virtual work environment, or people aren't going to a traditional office at all in there on Broadway. There are some really interesting stories coming in. And because of all those downloads, we got a ton. What it made me think about is people generally unhappy for one reason or another, and looking for other opportunities. So now seems like a great time. To to hit the pause button a little bit on the negativity of these stories, which we still want to hear. So keep keep them coming. But really to think about all these folks that are thinking about their next move, how to support them in an interview scenario. And it got me thinking a lot about the best interviews I've had, the worst interviews I've personally had, and some of the best advice that I've been given around interviewing people, especially in sales. So I wanted to take a quick minute and talk about interviewing as people are looking to the new year and want a new beginning.
0: I think it's great. I mean, this is the time in the year where everyone's budgets are approved. Everyone has the headcount. They're going to be hiring like crazy in Q1. Personally, it's a good time for reflection and just Thinking about you know what do you want and what direction do you want to take and uh, yeah feeling really prepared and empowered when you do uh, line up some of those interviews and I always think too it's a two way street right uh, you're interviewing them and making sure it's a fit just as much as as they're doing the same for you so never lose sight of that piece because uh, the fit is where I think all the all the good things happen between an employee and an employer.
1: I agree. And it's so hard to find, especially in sales. I think it's really hard to find the right fit often. And you're so good at it, Andy, and hiring your, your team and you've been doing it for so many years. Is there a go-to interview playbook that you use to ascertain in a sales capacity whether or not? Somebody is going to produce results, let's say, in the first 90 days. Is there anything that comes to mind and that you always ask as your go to question? Oh, great question. And sales, I think, I
0: mean, it's so hard. I remember I had, and this is going to sound a little rough, but I'm an old boss years ago that said, you know, there's contenders and then there's pretenders. And while I don't necessarily like kind of the energy around that, that, uh, phrase it really is it just sales is so hard to delineate. People can, you know, put whatever they want on their resumes in terms of their sales results. You know, typically they're still relationship people, so they're gonna be, you know, very articulate and probably prepared. I think over the years, what's interesting to me, I mean, it depends how senior the the individual is, first of all. So when they're more senior, you'll know their network. By the way, you know you'll see things on their resume that really are clear about kind of their their accomplishments, and so there's it it might be sometimes a little easier on the more senior folks versus something someone that's that's a little more junior. But over the years, it's come so much more down to the intangibles for me. Is this person really a student of the game? Curious, quick learner. So kind of sussing out some of those soft skills? You know, are they adaptable? Are they hungry? I mean, sales, and, and I think everything in sales has changed dramatically over the years from the old school, you know, Glen Geary, Glen Ross, uh, cold call rooms, all the way to other areas. So, you know, consultative, student of the game. So really kind of trying to suss out them as people. Is there? or Do you want to spend time with them? Are they What were they purposeful in their career choices? If we want to break it down to some of the tactical, I think, you know, I like, I've always liked the top grading methodology where the interview process is really, uh, it's lengthy. It's deep. You're involving multiple people in the process. I'm a big believer in that because everyone has different questions they ask. It's a great way to triangulate. And I'm kind of speaking more from the interviewer. But I think top rating is a really good place to start. It's a book, I think, that just came out with a, a, a new version not too long ago. And again, pieces of things, right? I'm not a textbook. I don't take a textbook approach, but there's just certain rigors that are are helpful in that. Just really in order to have a really qualitative and deep interview process, really trying to assess culture fit. Culture fit has become much more important over the years, bidirectionally as it should be. And then really being able, as the person interviewing, to truly articulate the culture. I'm not one of those people that just sings, you know, uh, sings a perfectly rosy song about the company. I mean, of course, everyone loves the company that they work with, but just really trying to help have the candidate understand uh, culture, have them feel comfortable asking you any questions, and really driving home that mutual fit is is really important in the process. And giving them the, and it's an opportunity for them to be able to speak to others in the company. And I always say it's an, it's an open book. You can talk to anyone that works for me, worked for me. Uh, any, you'll talk to a number of people, other people from leadership. So what I've learned is that, and, and believe me, I've made tons of mistakes. It's just, I think the deeper you go and the more time you take and set the stage for what the process will be, the, the better the process will be. And I think it'll, it'll self-select to some points. Can't help but share one of my funny horror stories. Is a company way back when that I should have known. So for the candidates, pick up on the small things. You know, I went, I showed up bright eyed and bushy tailed earlier in my sales career, and you know, one of the other more senior reps was was happened to be at the desk, and he was like, "Yeah, who are you here to see?" And I'm I'm here to see so and so, and he just looked me up and down, walked three steps, and said. Hey so and so your girl's here. And you know, I'm not I'm not from <laughs> I'm from the Midwest. Like I should have known right then and there that that was that's exactly what that should have been all I needed to see in here. Not a oh, hi, nice to meet you and tell me about yourself" and uh the rest of the environment turned out to be exactly uh what you'd expect and and I'll leave it at that. Final thought is you know, what I'm not a fan of uh, Sure, have a couple people uh, maybe interviewing one person just if it's if it's a natural synergy I am, will never be a fan of the whole panel interview thing. I think that is so, you know, yesteryear big pharma. That is no way to franchise a candidate, get to know them and and move the needle on the interview process. So that's my personal take. I'd love to hear uh, hear your point of view.
1: The panel is that we're there are multiple people interviewing someone at once. Yes. Oh, No, not a fan there. I have so many questions. I need to know this interview that you had that was horrible. Was it? <laughs> was it a pizza restaurant? Like what? What? What was it? I wish
0: it was a giant hugely successful company <laughs> wasn't
1: it to be Robert De Niro's assistant
0: yeah I, I i mean i wish i can i mean that may have been better honestly and no and i didn't i didn't heed the signs i i went and i worked there and it was nothing but misogyny and strip bars and the person walking around with a baseball bat slamming it on the cubes telling you to get get in your sleeping bag and they don't want to see your face until you bring the deal home. I mean, I I can't make this stuff up, but that is what it was. So when there's little subtle things, I always trust your gut. Uh, I think that's with anything in life, but thankfully I think people like that somehow need to try to hide that. I don't know how they do, but yeah, it's not, uh, I don't think if anyone runs into that today, we want to know.
1: I can't even imagine. The baseball bat just did it for me. I I had no idea it went that deep. Maybe not a subtle sign. Right, (laughs) Maybe a very obvious sign. Yeah. Too late. I was already there. (laughs) The cultural fit piece is so key. I was lucky in that I always, I think I'm more of a gut read on an interview when I'm interviewing someone. And I will share one of my worst interview stories that I personally, when I was being interviewed, what I said. But I had people around me, my SVP of sales would interview people and look for the skill set and look for the experience that we needed. So I was always probably last in line to ascertain the fit. And like you said, do I want to work with this person on a day-to-day basis? Will we connect? Will we have similar Vision about what needs to be done. And the best advice I was ever given about interviewing was to ask the following question, which I have used in every single interview since I heard this advice. When you're with a candidate, to ask them to talk about without using a full name, just give me a first name. I'd love to know about a prior boss that you've had. Let's say your prior boss is named Julie. And I want to know three of her greatest strengths and three of her greatest weaknesses. And what comes out when you ask questions like that is fascinating because you learn so much about the candidate and how they work and what might, whether or not they'd, they'd uh, they'd be coachable. So there were so many times where we had candidates and somebody would say something about micromanaging, not trusting or giving this person enough space to do their job, you know, just little things like that where, or they would need a lot of input and a lot of handholding. And we might've been in a position at the time where the person that was going to manage this candidate didn't have the bandwidth to really do a lot of hand holding so you can kind of tell if somebody has is going to have high needs or somebody's going to be really easy and and uh you know a self starter so those that was the one tip that I got from a former board chair that I have used forever and ever and it's so great at that cultural piece and the, those soft skills that I think is just so invaluable that is such good advice I, I definitely and, and
0: and just such a direct way to really just get to it, right? hugely hugely helpful advice. I will be using that, that in the new year. Certainly.
1: Yeah, the one one candidate at one point said something like, "Look, I you know one of my former bosses her her greatest weaknesses was that she didn't get back to me uh, when I would email her. It would take her a day, or you know, there was just this high needs request that was coming and the frustration." told us that we were just not well-equipped to deal with the candidate that needed that much input and that much immediate feedback. And so things like that can be really telling and helpful for your organization, depending on where you are. It doesn't mean that they're not a a great candidate. It just means that maybe they're just not right for you for where you are in the moment.
0: That's exactly right. I mean, a lot of companies are in a growth mode, very busy and yeah, it just may not be the the perfect little cookie cutter where everyone can get back to someone in a business day. Yeah. It just might not be able to happen. So yeah, they they could, should probably find a different spot that maybe isn't isn't encountering that.
1: My interview horror story was a long time ago. I was trying to get a job selling radio spots at a radio station and this was probably shortly after college or maybe even before I graduated from college. And I hadn't done a ton of interviewing outside of working at a coffee shop, which you came to that coffee shop, you know, (laughs) you saw me making lattes and I worked at a, a Y, I was a day camp counselor, one of the best jobs ever. And I remember calling my Jersey mom and telling her about this interview and she, in the Ginny way that she has, was just like, you know, just be honest, you know, don't, don't go over the top, just tell it like it is and be yourself. You know, it's not, it's, it's going to go great, Bobby, You know, So I go to this interview and they're asking me questions and they must have asked me something about, I think they were trying to get to how driven I was. And I misinterpreted the question or something was a little off in how I understood what they wanted. And my response was with my mom's voice in my head, look, I'm not an overachiever by any means. <laughs>
0: That doesn't even—it's so 180 from actually who you are.
1: And I don't know how that even came out of your mouth. I have no idea. I was nervous, and it was like I just was uh, trying to talk about not being um, maybe really rigid, or I have no idea. But look, I'm—I'm I'm just not an overachiever by any means. <laughs> I wouldn't have hired me. I have no idea what I was thinking. So I did not get that job. But uh, (laughs) one door closes, another opens. So that's for sure. (laughs) It's not meant to be.
0: Oh, that's beautiful.
1: Well, we should get into some of the questions that were submitted to remind people listening. There are multiple ways that you can ask a question and You don't even have to have a true question. You could just feel the need to share a story. We've had a few of those as well, which we'll be starting a new segment at some stage called What Not To Do. So if you just have something going on that you think was uh, deplorable, that you need to get it off your chest or have a good vent, feel free to share that. And you don't need to be in a office office either. There are a lot of different ways to go to work. So keep that in mind. Email to spillit at corporateconfesh.com. And on the website corporateconfess you can also record a message for us. And we get a voicemail, which is really fun. And that's how we found our Aussie listener last time we talked. So we'll get to one of the questions that was submitted. And Andy, this one is going to go to you first. Everyone comes to me in the office to unload, to gossip, to talk it out. I feel like I've turned into the office garbage can where everyone just comes to unload and it's not a position I want to be in. I have ambitions to move up the management chain and feel that eventually this is going to be an unhealthy dichotomy. Any advice? When you're the boss, how do you shut down gossip?
0: That is interesting. It's also a hard one because there's obviously something about this individual and to their credit, people feel comfortable around them. They, it doesn't sound like they are the kind of the driver of the water cooler chit chat and the gossip feels like they're very clear that they see that this has kind of become a dynamic and they, they don't want to be part of it and that they see how it could Backfire eventually on them. And I agree. If somehow you're part of the, we've probably all seen it part of the gossipy group or what have you, it's, it's, it can be very career limiting. Management will see that. And it's, it's just not a place that you, that you want to be, especially if it's within the four walls of the office or, you know, gosh forbid, don't put any of that on Teams or email or anything like that. But but I think this is a, a good observation with this individual. So it sounds like they have relationships, they are trusted, people feel open. Those are all really great qualities. I think it's probably just going to be trying to kind of back away from that and not be as available and could be subtle things like, you know, have your do not disturb on or and again i'm assuming this is in the office setting that people are kind of drive bying and and venting you know have certain uh, your door shut maybe just a little bit halfway so so people don't think you're open or or let them know you know you'll get with them later i think you'll probably just have to elegantly try to minimize the times where people feel like you're open and can be available for that type of conversation so you can keep those relationships intact, but try to step out of that. And they'll eventually people like that, they'll eventually find other people to, to gossip with and they'll find their outlet, or maybe they'll take a page from your page book where they realize that it's probably not productive and 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 go on to something else. You know, similarly, if it ever comes to the point where, you know, you need to there's a there's a conversation about it, it could be just, hey, I I I really want to do a good job and I can, I feel really distracted and it kind of tilts me off my axle. And I've just always been a person that just wants to come to work and, and work and get the job done and, you know, save that stuff for the, for the happy hours or, or what have you. I just like to like to kind of put my head down and focus.
1: Yeah. Maybe they could start giving horrible advice. (laughs) (laughs) Or just you know what? sorry that you're having such a tough time, Larry, I got nothing. Yeah, I got nothing. I don't I, I don't sorry. know what to do about that because there must be some reason why this is this person is, like you said, the magnet for it. They're like the Oprah of the office. So there's the employees are getting some positive reinforcement or feedback that are valuable advice. I think you have to just like you said back away or maybe just say you know that that's really tough. I don't I don't really have any any suggestions for you. I'm sorry. And if it's something that's really HR focused, just kind of redirect them if it's obviously not just a gossipy rant but something that is nefarious enough you can kind of scoot them along. But when you're the boss too, it's, it's a fine line because you also need to be open to feedback. It's a whole different scenario where it's not, you're not welcoming gossip and rants, but you also have to hear what employees are saying and you have to be somebody that they feel comfortable coming to if there is an issue or if they have suggestions. So but participating in the gossip and being, you know, a, f- a friend, it's a tough one. If they want to get promoted, and I I agree with everything you said. Yeah, yeah. If
0: you're the boss too, uh, yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I've always really tried in my when I've been newer in my roles to really say, hey, I know you know I need to prove this to you, but this is a a, a circle of trust here that. It, You know, we can't be better. I can't be better. I can't make sure everyone, you know, you're happy unless you develop the trust in me where you can come to me with, with things that are on your mind. And, but, but I'd also ask just to help me like come with ideas and let's dig in and and let's find a solution together. So that's kind of a, a message of, you know, you can't just come and, you know, unload, but let's figure it out. With that said, of course, yes, yeah, you know, you want to create an environment where people can just vent and say, you know, I don't have all the answers, but this has really been on my mind and I'm going to keep thinking about it. Do you have any advice now so I can find a way to work through it? I mean, that's all very healthy, healthy dialogue.
1: It reminds me of what Yvette calls a compliment sandwich with our children, <laughs> where I, I love that you want want to empower the person to come and share what's going on, but you also want them to come with a solution. You know, thank you so much for raising X, Y, and Z. What are ways that you feel we can improve when Maeve, you know, does something she's not supposed to do, whatever it is I hear about all the time. I love how creative you are and it's so fantastic to see all of this artwork. I would love it if you didn't paint the table. Is there something we can do to prevent you painting the table next time? What are your are ideas? You, are you out of paper? <laughs> are you out of paper? You know, there's 8,000 pieces of paper in our house. We're the number one source of deforestation here, given all the artwork that happens. <laughs> but, but the compliment sandwich with the employees is also something that I think is a, a kind, humane way to go
0: completely using that compliment sandwich. That I can remember. I I love sandwiches and that's just darn good advice.
1: (laughs) Excellent. If we have answered one of your questions and you utilize some of that advice, come to us and let us know how it went, how things are going. And with our interview piece, if you have some pro tips and the best questions that you've ever used in an interview or horror story interview process or any sort of advice around interviewing and trying to land that job for 2024, please share those with us and we'll do a follow-up segment on interviewing and we're going to bring in a special guest who focuses on recruiting and hiring and is far better, uh, 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 more educated on this topic than us. So keep them coming. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. Thank you. We will talk again next week. We're going to do it every week. Every week. Stay healthy, Andy. Thank you. You too. All right.